Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Benjamin Bickman. Why we get sick? the hidden epidemic at the root of most chronic disease and how to fight it. Could you just give us the headlines? I recognize mm-hmm. we have touched on this throughout the interview, but why do we get sick? Yeah. Yeah. That's a bold title, of course. Right. And that was deliberate on my part, because if I would have given it a more accurate title, like, why insulin resistance matters, why you should care about it. No one would have ever taken it off the shelf because we see the word insulin and immediately think it's only relevant to a diabetic. We have no knowledge of how relevant it is to disease. In fact, that knowledge is so little that even most actual healthcare providers, most physicians and nurses have very little regard for insulin. And that there it was kind of my focus. I wanted people to understand that insulin resistance is fundamental to virtually every chronic disease. It's either directly causing it as the main cause or it's making the disease worse. And this covers a massive spectrum of diseases. Insulin resistance is probably the single most relevant variable to Alzheimer's disease. It is the most relevant variable to heart disease, which is the number one killer. It's very relevant to the most common cancers, breast and prostate cancers. While it's not causing the cancer, it's accelerating the cancer. It's the most common cause of the most common infertilities, PCOS in women and erectile dysfunction in men. It's the most common cause of the most common liver problem, which is fatty liver disease and several other diseases. So the book was written because I wanted people to understand what insulin resistance is, how relevant it is or why it matters in all of these chronic diseases, where it comes from, why it's become so common and then what to do about it, kind of the happy ending of what is otherwise an entertaining horror story in a way. So uh, that was that really was my motivation. I I thought this is a message that too few people understand. I understand it. I'm beholden to share this with others. So glad you have. So what should our listeners be eating to prevent insulin resistance? Yeah. Yeah. So especially for the young kids, it is prevention. And then for the older kids, it's reversing it, which is absolutely possible. 
So on the extreme end of insulin resistance, you have type 2 diabetes. This is when the insulin is working so poorly now in their body that they just can't keep their blood sugar in control anymore. Now the blood sugar goes up really high and now they have type 2 diabetes. Even type 2 can be totally reversed by changing lifestyle. It is a lifestyle problem. Insulin resistance is a dietary problem. So the pillars, I would say there are four. One, control your carbohydrates. I'm not saying you can't eat any, but if your carbohydrates have been coming from bags and boxes with barcodes, put them on the bench. Don't eat them or be very, very cautious with them. Focus more on fruits and vegetables, natural carbohydrates, the way nature would want you to take them. Second, make sure you're getting enough protein. So prioritize protein. I love alliteration. So control carbohydrates, prioritize protein. And there's a nuance here, which is a little unpopular nowadays, but I have to say it as a scientist, that protein should be coming from animal sources. I know that it is increasingly less popular to acknowledge that humans are omnivores at our very core and that we will die. If if a person adopts a completely vegan diet, they will die. That is not compatible with human survival. They have to be supplementing heavily in order to make up what they're now lacking. So prioritize protein and make sure this is coming from meat, eggs, meat and eggs and dairy. Third, in this... I would say grass-fed. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, if you can... Yeah, now to a student, I'm always very sympathetic. And they say, well, thanks, Bickman. I can't afford that. And I say, you know what? Don't worry about it. You just get that protein. And then when you can, yeah, level it up. And then the third point is related to the second, which is don't fear fat. These best proteins in nature that I just mentioned will always come with fat and we should eat it that way. Egg white should come with egg yolk. Meat should come with fat and milk protein whey should come with milk fat, with dairy fat. We should get the protein with the fat. It helps the protein work better. We literally digest the protein better and fat and protein together are more anabolic at muscle than protein alone. So for these young college age kids, these guys, especially that are lifting and wanting to have very impressive physiques, if you're just taking a protein shake, you're wasting money. You need to get fat with your protein. So you're either adding protein or adding fat to it in the form of cream or ghee or butter, or you're getting a protein shake that has fat already in it. So don't fear fat. And then lastly, intermittent fasting. Don't feel like you need to eat every three hours or whatever. It's okay to take a break from food. And my advice is to control your eating on either side of the, either end of the day, either fast through breakfast. And if you fast through breakfast, have a very big hearty lunch so that your dinner can be a little more modest, or you have a big hearty breakfast, a modest lunch, and an even more modest dinner, but give your body a break from eating incessantly and from time to time, even do a 24-hour fast. Drink, you can even drink coffee, but don't add sugar to it. Try to control any calories coming in, but drink water, even coffee, but have a full 24-hour fast from time to time. You will be amazed at how good you feel, how lean and sharp you feel at the end of that. Fantastic. Have you heard of Dave Asprey? Yep. In fact, I was on his podcast about a month or two ago. Well, I also had the good fortune of interviewing him on time for coffee. And I'm guessing you guys totally geeked out on the value of fasting, the value of adding ghee, because Fast This Way, his book is all about that. I would say just in terms of when it comes to the dairy piece, there are others out there whom I'm sure you've also heard of, Dr. Mark Hyman, 
and others who are in the integrative functional medical health space who would say, try to reduce, if not eliminate the dairy because it's also inflammatory, but just to provide another perspective. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't say that, but it's not a sentiment I disagree with. Everybody has some sensitivities to certain foods. Dairy can be one of those culprits. It's up there with wheat where that's one of the more common sensitivities. So if someone suspects they have any kind of sensitivity at all, then absolutely dairy is something you could, you should control. But I don't like to say it's inherently pro-inflammatory because I'm not compelled by any data that would suggest for the average person that it is. They drink dairy, for example, you don't see an increase in cytokines in their blood in the average individual. So to me, I would say, well, it's maybe inflammatory, but not. If you have a sensitivity to it, then it is inflammatory. That's awesome because I love Jenny's ice cream, which does have sugar in it. So I would minimize that. But yeah. that's oh, great yeah. to know. No, but listen, though, ice cream is one of my scheduled indulgences. I deliberately work ice cream into my diet. It's very I'm very prudent with it. It's very deliberate. It has a beginning point and an end point. It's a finite amount because it's, of course, one little pint. But ice cream is my absolute weakness. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.